0: Hello crackheads, you're listening to Paranormal Cracktivity. My name's Justin.
1: And my name is What is my name, Justin?
0: Uh I didn't know I was gonna get a quiz.
1: (laughs) 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 My name is My name's
0: Patrick. (laughs) Is this the Krusty (laughs) Crown? okay uh, okay are you <laughs> drinking anything tonight Drake?
1: i'm drinking water
0: water wow good for you and i'm
1: reading two books
0: you're reading two books bu- right now two you're drinking books, water right and there. reading two books and recording a podcast I, that's amazing
1: if you don't know me i am a superhuman and i can do many <laughs> things <laughs> like build a that. fence build cabinets you know a thing one thing i can't do what is it I can't have children.
0: Mm. I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of glad about that one. I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think birthing hips would look good on me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's not. I hear it's not an nice experience. So. No.
1: <laughs> if you've ever given birth, let us know.
0: Please don't. <laughs> um. Okay. So. <laughs> if you guys get to hear that (laughs) um how are you how how are you doing today i know i skipped the i skipped the part where i ask you how you're feeling today
1: (laughs) how am i feeling i'm feeling well rested
0: oh that's really nice to hear that's really nice to hear i'm feeling really well today too how is
1: sadie feeling
0: Sadie's feeling really good, too. I put her outside so she could, not outside, but out in the hall so she could eat, um, you know, because she's a hungry girl. She's a healthy girl. We'll probably go on a walk later tonight in the dark because, you know.
1: Well, what case do you have for me today? I'm I'm having, a, like, mm-hmm. a feeling that since, like, um, the Island of the Dolls was, like, very, like, nice and easygoing, you're going to slap me with, like something ugly, nasty and brutal. <laughs> that's a that's a good you
0: I think, uh, you, I, uh, <laughs> I think guess. you set it
1: up. Did you? <laughs> I'm scared
0: I, now. I I have a story for you. I have a story for you. Are you ready for it? Ooh,
1: is it a cryptid?
0: Well, I, it's just a story. Are you ready for it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. By the way, I'm drinking an IPA. Ooh. <clears throat> on February ninth, 1960, a blue and white station wagon was parked on the bridge over Turkey Creek in Jefferson County, Colorado. Around 10 a.m., a milkman approached the vehicle. He could hear the radio playing and the engine running, but the driver was nowhere to be found. The milkman moved the car off the bridge, delivered the milk, and then called the police to report the incident. Upon arriving at the scene, the police discovered an international travel-all station wagon, which was quickly identified as belonging to Adolph Kors III, also known as ADD. ADD left his home near Morrison, Colorado around 8 a.m. that morning and headed towards his office at the Coors Brewery in Golden, Colorado, but never made it to work. This is the story of the kidnapping of Adolf Kors III. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Okay. So before we go any further, let's learn a little bit more about Ad and his legacy. His grandfather, Adolf Hermann Joseph Kurs, was born February 4th, 1847 in Barmen in Rhine province, which is modern day Wuppertal, Germany. I knew it. (laughs) Adolf worked as a bookkeeper to pay for an apprenticeship at a brewery in Dortmund, However, at the age of 16, both of his parents died. Dang. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: at the same time?
0: In the same year. It was like a few months apart. Yeah. Mm. Very sad. So he finished out his apprenticeship and worked at this at this brewery for a little while. And then he worked at a few other breweries. And then amidst some political unrest in Germany, he decided to emigrate. So... As any 21-year-old would do, in 1868, Adolf Coors stowed away on a ship bound for America. In 1869, he... Oh, wait, I skipped something. So, and one source that I found, he arrived in, like, he was found on the boat, and um, the captain was, like, cool, and he was like, hey, you can work off, work off your passage. So he worked in Baltimore for, like, a little while. And then, after working in Baltimore for a little while, he moved to Naperville, Illinois in 1869 to work for the Stenger or Stenger Brewery. He saved his money for two years and then he quit that brewery and moved to Denver, where he worked as a gardener for a little bit. And then he purchased a partnership in a bottling firm, which he bought out in the same year. So he's getting pretty savvy with his money. He's investing in businesses and now he owns a bottling firm. Get it? Yeah, right? On November 14th, 1873, Adolf Coors, along with Jacob Schuler, purchased the abandoned Golden City tannery on the bank of Clear Creek and converted it into the Golden Brewery. In 1880, Coors bought Schuler's share of the brewery, and then he renamed it to Coors Brewing Company. So again, he's very smart with his money, and he bought the company out. Adolf quickly made a fortune off of the company and it was one of the few to survive prohibition also. He then married Louisa Weber or Weber in april eighteen seventy nine and they had three sons and three daughters. In June of nineteen twenty nine, he and his wife Louisa relocated to the newly built Cavalier Hotel in Princess Anne County, Virginia, overlooking the Chesapeake Bay. Their stay was short, however, because on the morning of June 5th, Adolf fell from a six-story window and his crushed body was found sprawled on the hotel's concrete patio. Yeah, it was really gruesome. According to Louisa, Adolf, quote, woke early, made his way to the window, and, without saying a word, either fell or jumped, end quote. The circumstances surrounding his death are mysterious to say the least but it's commonly accepted that he committed suicide and there wasn't really much investigation lies right yeah so jumping back a little bit his eldest son adolf Kors jr married alice may kistler and on january 13th 1915 she gave birth to adolf Kors the and the couple had two more sons and a daughter so just to recap, that was like a abridged version of like the Kors Brewery and how they started. Uh, Adolf the III's grandfather started the brewery and then his, his son, Adolf Kors Jr., m- managed it. And then he passed it on to Adolf the III. So as the eldest son, his father was particularly hard on him because he was unfortunately allergic to beer. And <laughs> and was also born with a stutter, which his father felt would impact his ability to lead the company.
1: Mm-mm, don't do that to that boy.
0: Right. And I also found sources stating that he didn't really want to get involved in the company. Wikipedia also said that he was a semi-professional baseball player, which I thought was really interesting. In November 1940, he married Mary Urquhart Grant, and they had four children together. And regardless of whether or not he wanted to run the company, Ad became the CEO and chairman of the Coors Brewing Company. And this leads us to the morning of February 9th, 1960. Do you have any questions?
1: I'm just like, dang, this is a lot for some beer.
0: It is a lot for some beer. And during the the prohibition, they even converted their company. They had to pour out their beer into the Crystal River, and they converted their company into like a pottery business or something. And then they converted back. And he was just like so wealthy that he survived and just kept thriving because everybody wanted cores. Okay. So yeah, and he's a, a businessman.
1: And homeboy's allergic to beer.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. How talk about unfortunate. <laughs> okay. So February ninth, nineteen sixty, As I mentioned, Mr. Coors never arrived at the brewery that day. Instead, his car was found abandoned on a bridge, which he crossed every day on his way to work. Later that afternoon, a dark brown felt hat and a light tan colored cap that belonged to him were found at the edge of the creek along with some stains on the bridge railing and in the dirt, which were later identified as human blood. Later on in the afternoon, a pair of glasses belonging to Ad were also discovered underneath the bridge. After conducting a wider search of the area, no further evidence was found. The following morning, Mary Coors, his wife, received a typewritten ransom note. And I am going to read that for y'all.
1: Oh, gosh. They don't took home, boy.
0: Yeah. Quote. Miss Coors. Your husband has been kidnapped. His car is by Turkey Creek. Call the police or FBI, he dies. Cooperate, he lives. Ransom: 200,000 in tens and 300,000 in twenties. There will be no negotiating. Bills: Used, non-consecutive, unrecorded, unmarked. Warning: We will know if you call the police or record the serial numbers. Directions: Place money and this letter and envelope in one suitcase or bag. Have two men with a car ready to make the delivery. When all set, advise a tractor for sale in Denver Post Section 69. Sign ad King Ranch, Fort Lupton. Wait at NA 94455 for instructions after ad appears. Deliver immediately after receiving call. Any delay will be regarded as a stall to set up a stakeout. Understand this. Adolf's life is in your hands. We have no desire to commit murder. All we want is that money. If you follow the instructions, he will be released unharmed within 48 hours after the money is received. Okay, so that was a little bit confusing. Basically, they they need to wait on him. They need to get the money ready and put an ad in the Denver Post, and then wait on him to call. And Adolf Kors Sr., his father, was willing to pay this money because they're very rich, and he's willing to pay the money, and he gets everything ready. He puts the tractor-for-sale sign in the Denver Post, and they wait for the call, but the call never came. So after 24 hours of ad missing, the FBI is now involved, and... They whole-assed this case because of the beer, obviously. No, but actually, kidnapping became a federal offense after the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped and murdered, which I'm sure we will cover, cover eventually. Are you familiar with that case, streak?
1: Not really, but kinda. I don't like things with kids.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree. And it's a very, yeah, it's a very hard case.
1: Wah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And really quickly, they went to work analyzing this ransom letter. So the typeface of the letter was distinctive and led investigators to determine that the typewriter was manufactured by either Hermes in Switzerland or the Royal McBee Company in Holland. Closer analysis of the numerals in the letter led them to determine that the letter was typed on a Royalite portable typewriter. There was also a slight defect, which made the letter S lower than all the others, which limited it even further to typewriters with this defect. I thought that was really interesting, like super in-depth, super in-depth.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So meanwhile, the FBI starts receiving tips from witnesses in the area. Multiple people claimed to have seen a 1951 yellow Mercury sedan. One of these witnesses was a man who was guarding his minds as one does and he saw this car and took down a little bit of the license plate from the car as it was pulling away and the little bit that he was able to get was at 62. so the fbi cross-referenced the sequence at 62 with registered mercury sedans in the denver area and they came up with four After checking each of the vehicles, only one matched the year and color, and it was registered under the name Walter Osborne. The FBI investigators went to Osborne's apartment at 1435 Pearl Street in Denver, Colorado, and found it empty. Upon checking the room for fingerprints, it was determined that Walter Osborne's prints matched those of Joseph Corbett Jr., a convicted murderer ha ah, surprise so he's living a double life
1: mm-hmm. no he's he he i think he's on the run he changed his identity he changed his identity
0: you are on the right track you're definitely on mm. the right track mm. so joseph corbett jr was born october 25th 1928 in seattle washington he was the son of joseph and marion k corbett He was a former Fulbright Scholar at the University of Oregon, but he never finished his degree. In 1950, while enrolled at the University of California as a pre-med student, he murdered an Air Force sergeant who was hitchhiking near Hamilton Air Force Base in California with a single gunshot to the back of the man's head. He was convicted in 1951 and sentenced to five years to life in San Quentin Prison. That's it? hmm Just wait. Corbett was a model prisoner, and he was moved from the high-security San Quentin Prison to the low-security California Institution for Men. On August 1st, 1955, between 2 and 2.10 a.m., Joseph Corbett Jr. escaped by loosening a screen in the bathroom of his barracks during the day and returning at night to make his getaway. So yeah, he escaped from jail. Surprise. Surprise. Corbett moved to Denver where he assumed the alias Walter Osborne and began working as a paint mixer for the Benjamin Moore Company. After the kidnapping, Walter Osborne simply stopped coming to work. Any thoughts so far?
1: Where is Ad? That's my question. Where is Ad?
0: (sighs) That is a good question. Good question. Mm.
1: Where is Ad?
0: And I'm telling you, this case gets just even better. Oh, gosh. So, wait, I need to drink some more beer. I'm not even halfway through this. The beer, not the case. (coughs) So, back to the FBI. They are starting to get a good case together, but need a little bit more evidence. So they took the photos of Corbett to one of two stores in Denver that sells the Royalite Portable Typewriter. Remember the typewriter from before? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they were able to find a clerk who recognized him and recalled selling him the typewriter. So now it's clear that Corbett was not only linked to the scene of the crime, but also to the ransom letter that Mary had received. Eight days after the kidnapping, New Jersey police in Atlantic City found a 1951 Mercury sedan in a city dump that had been doused with gas and set on fire. There was no license plate on the vehicle, but the serial number was matched to the car belonging to Walter Osborne, a.k.a. Joseph Corbett. Again, the FBI were on it. (laughs) They went right over there and they found the serial number and attached it to Joseph Corbett. So this next part I found super fascinating. Investigators analyzed layers of soil found on the undercarriage of the car. The oldest soil sample was determined to be a mix of soil and shale. The soil matched the control sample of soil that was taken from the scene of the crime near Turkey Creek, which meant that the car was at Turkey Creek.
1: Denver, Colorado.
0: Right. So this meant that the shale was found most likely from wherever Corbett had dumped the body. So upon closer analysis, the shale was found to contain large amounts of granite flecked uh, large amounts of granite flecked with pink feldspar. The FBI collected and sent 612 samples of soil to find a match and were able to determine that this type of shale was similar to Pike's Peak granite. And I thought that was amazing. So they used the dirt. Yeah.
1: But it had driven across the country. That dirt could have been from everywhere, anywhere.
0: So I got this bit from the Forsynic Files episode that I watched and they actually like scraped off all the layers. And the first layer was sand from New Jersey. And the second layer was thought to be like from the road, like across country and then they got like even deeper to the oldest layers and then they found the dirt and and compared it and were able to figure that out
1: That's cool.
0: I'm telling you, like whole assed it. So And this is in the 60s? This is in the this is like not even the 60s. <laughs> this is the,
1: this is what happens when people do their job.
0: Seriously. Like when literally when people do their jobs. This is what happens when be beer is involved
1: <laughs> oh gosh yes when bare necessities are met in in investigating crimes when the bare necessities are met
0: mm, you're totally right and that should be the precedent so pike's peak granite is found in a big stretch of the rocky mountains so the search was very extensive but there was just a lot of area to search and they were unable to locate any evidence until eight months later On September 12th, 1960, in a popular hunting area, searchers discovered human bones and clothing. According to the coroner's report, the body was found near Sedalia and was positively identified through a dental examination as Adolf Kors III. Oh no. It is also stated that death was attributed to gunshot wounds to the right thorax and to the pelvis. Soft tissue injuries could not be determined because only the bones had been discovered. The clothing was determined to be that which Ad was wearing when he left his home for the last time. There were two holes in the back of Mr. Kor's jacket which corresponded to two holes in his right scapula indicating that he had been shot from the back. Very sad.
1: He didn't even want to be like in that company.
0: Yeah, he didn't ask for that. He didn't
1: this I, he so he did he ever get the money? The man got the money
0: No, I don't think no, because he never even made the call because uh, it was botched he he didn't mean to kill he probably was he probably wasn't planning on killing him, he was planning on getting the money, and you know he messed it up.
1: if you didn't plan to kill him, why did you bring something to kill him with?
0: That's a good point. Like, he was going to, like.
1: You could have easily locked him up in, like, a basement or something. Like, find find somewhere to put him.
0: I mean, the idea is that he ran away. That's what the investigators think, is because. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. He didn't have to kill him. He didn't have to kill him. You never have to kill somebody. You really don't. This man is a monster. Okay. And a half. Further investigation revealed that Joseph Corbett had planned the kidnapping months in advance. On the morning of the kidnapping, he mailed the ransom letter to Mary and then went to the bridge to wait for Ad. Investigators believe that he blocked the bridge and made it seem like he was having car trouble. Ad likely went out to help him or tell him to move his car when Corbett attempted to abduct him. He fought back and tried to run, but Corbett shot him from behind. He then took the body to the mountains and dumped it in the wilderness, where it remained until discovered by the investigators. And then he drove to New Jersey and burned the car. So like you were saying, like... I mean, they think that he tried to run away, which is completely possible, but it's also possible that he didn't, and Joseph Corbett was just... A monster and shot him from behind <laughs> i mean i think it could go either way
1: what do you mean by you don't think he was trying to run away
0: i think he might have been trying to run away like
1: ad or joseph ad oh okay i thought you were talking yeah. about joseph i mean like i was like he wanted to run away after <laughs> yeah he definitely <laughs> he wanted did. to run.
0: Yeah. But he had to he had to get rid of the evidence. I don't know sucks. i don't I don't really know what to think, considering that well they found the stuff- uh, they found blood on on the bridge, right, which probably came from the shot, and they also found his stuff like his glasses and his hat down by the creek, and so they're thinking that they got into a fight and that like his hat fell off and his glasses fell off but What if Joseph Corbett just murdered him in cold blood and then threw that stuff off the bridge? You see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. We need to find Joseph. I mean, we need to ask Joseph these questions. We need to find
0: Joseph and ask him these questions. You're exactly right about that. And that brings us to the next part. So the story at this point had become national news. Remember, Joseph drove to New Jersey. He burned the car and then he got out of dodge so the story had become national news and once the remains once the remains had been found and soon a woman from vancouver reported to the fbi that corbett was living in her apartment building so investigators knocked on his door and apparently he cracked it open because he was there and they forced their way in and he was just like okay i give up and so they found him just like that they found him in vancouver Joseph Corbett pled not guilty and was quickly convicted of kidnapping and first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison.
1: Yay.
0: Don't get too excited. In December of 1980, Joseph Corbett was paroled. Because he was a model prisoner.
1: Girl, bye. He was a model prisoner when he escaped the first time. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. What do you mean? Yep.
0: Yep, yep, yep. And he worked oh. in he worked in Denver mm-hmm, as a truck driver for the Salvation Army until retiring. <laughs> in an interview, he talked about how he was haunted by whispers of people on the street being like, There goes a convicted murderer. Shocker, Joseph, you killed someone.
1: Um, yes, sis.
0: Anyway, on the morning of august 24th 2009 the body of joseph corbett was found in bed with a single gunshot wound to his head he left no note and no one to claim his body bye joseph
1: peace out dude i mean you ain't happy (sighs) man
0: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He really seemed like a an awful person, and I was really shocked by this story. There was a lot of twists, a lot of turns.
1: A lot of ups, a lot of downs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all, that, and that's all I have for you. That's the end of the story.
1: That was a good story, Justin. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for telling me that story.
0: And Coors is, believe it or not, is still around today. So... I believe it. <laughs> I'm from South Carolina, so I drink PBRs when I'm not drinking an IPA. But what is a PBR? A Pabst Pabst Blue Ribbon.
1: Is that like a South Carolina beer?
0: It's a beer that people drink in South Carolina. It's the number one selling beer at a bar in Charleston
1: shout out the recovery room
0: shout out to the recovery room number one seller of pbr in the world like
1: (laughs) we should do a partnership we should Mm. record an episode in the recovery room
0: oh my god okay rec room if you're listening please make it happen also pbr if you're listening please make it happen
1: (laughs) pbr can sponsor it yeah
0: (laughs) that would be some paranormal creativity
1: that would be some paranormal activity. There's honestly no other place where I would want to record an episode. <laughs> 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 Except for the recovery room. For real. For real. Well, my case for the next episode is also a doozy. And um, I can't wait for you to hear it. But, Justin, this one was definitely a doozy.
0: Oh, yay. You guys, please come back next week. Um, yeah. What, what I... else do we have? No trivia? Oh yeah, I forgot to do the trivia. Maybe we should, uh, maybe I'll pause and I'll, because I was going to do it for February 9th.
1: We are pausing right now.
0: Okay, so Drake, I have trivia for you. Are you ready? Honestly, no. Okay, so Joseph Corbett died in 2009. Can you guess the top song of 2009?
1: Single Ladies by Beyonce.
0: Oh, wow! That was a good guess, but that's incorrect. Oh, would you like a hint?
1: Yes, I would love a hint.
0: The band is named after a type of food that I don't eat, but it's not meat what type of food you don't
1: eat fish fish is meat
0: it grows it grows in the ground
1: you don't eat.
0: It's it's a legume.
1: Peanuts Peanuts and Red Hot Chili Peppers.
0: Oh wow, that was a good guess. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a really good guess. Are you ready?
1: I wanna do one more guess. Okay uh just tell me
0: it's the black eyed peas (laughs) can you guess the song i got
1: that boom 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 that boom boom boom
0: yeah there we go they only have a few so i didn't think that would take too long (laughs) they only have a few hits Everyone
1: can't be Beyonce.
0: Right, right. I think I can probably safely put that song in here. So you guys enjoy. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. (laughs) We're going to have to pay some royalties. Yeah, right. We do not have the money. Yeah. All right. Well, I I don't think I want to do any plugs this week. I think I'm just done.
1: What is a plug? Bye.
0: Bye, guys. Don't smoke crack. Please don't smoke
1: crack. Have a good day. Please don't.
0: I need to drink some more beer.